Amen. So last week, um, we, we started talking about something very important. I, I remember I began to share with us basically what the concept of being a member of the body is and how God expects us to grow within the body. You know, I, I, we titled it Setting Our House in Order for the Move of the Spirit. You know, and we showed the pattern of the foundation of the church, which is extend, which is by extension, the pattern that every church, every body of Christ should have. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we said that when you look at Acts chapter 1, and you see the pattern and the order that God set, you know, so that the church can be equipped as God's agency on the earth. Because that's what the church is. The church is God's agency on the earth. You know, when you have a, an agency, is a body, is is a you know, it's a work environment or an organization through which you achieve a specific purpose. Am I making sense? You know, if if the federal government, for example, they want to say poverty, they want to you know pull people out of poverty, they will set up an agency specifically for poverty alleviation. Am I making sense? And we've had all sort of that. Although Nigeria is a very peculiar country, the people who are meant to save people out of poverty will embezzle the money meant to people out of poverty so that they can increase poverty. Hallelujah. An agency is a unit or an organization that fulfills a specific agenda, a specific purpose, right? And the church of God is God's agency on earth. What is its purpose? God's agenda. Luke 11, he said, your kingdom come. Jesus was praying. He said, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is where. So, Jesus was looking at the pattern of the operation of God's will in heaven. The order, the arrangements, the commitment of the people. Everyone set in their own order with God being the centerpiece. Heaven is a place where you have the perfect operation of the will of God. Every minute thing in heaven reflects, vibrates according to the will of God. Nothing is done in heaven outside of the will of God. I'm, are you hearing me? If you see a pillar, there's a pillar. I know some people are looking for mansion in heaven. When we get there, we know whether there is actually <laughs> a physical block. But let's assume there is a mansion. That mansion serves the will of God. Amen. Everything in heaven serves the will of God. The sole purpose of its existence is the will of God. And so God is the centerpiece. God is the energy source. You know, he's at the very center of everything. That is the way heaven is set. It is set as a place of the operation of God's perfect will. And so when Jesus was praying that your will be done on earth, as it is what in heaven he was prophesying an invasion of the earth with the will of god because for god's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven there will have to be an overturning and an upsetting there will have to be a folding up of the current operation on earth so that the will of god can do what can take over it means that as at the time he was praying the will of god was not yet done on the earth are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Are you getting my point this morning? 
what it meant is that the will of God was not, and even to a great degree, now the will of God is not yet in fully operation in full operation. Why? Because the agency that is meant, you know, to propagate the will of God has not awoken to its purpose yet. Bible said that the heir, as long as it's a child, it does not differ from what? From a slave. The guy that is meant to rule has not woken up to its true identity yet. The church. So we are God's agency on the earth. And when the time came for God to release grace upon the agency he has just founded, Bible said that he was with them after his resurrection 40 days doing what? Exposing to them, teaching them about things pertaining to the kingdom. He was tutoring them for the purpose or for the agenda that is at hand. It was bringing enlightenment. It was bringing was opening their eyes. It was bringing doctrine, bringing understanding, bringing grace, bringing all manner of things so that they can be properly equipped for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And scripture now says that when he was taken up to heaven, the disciples went back to Jerusalem and they were with one accord and began to do what? Pray. So they had one focus. They had one, they had one purpose. They began to pray. And as they began to pray, light began to come. And they began to see what needed to be done so that the church can be set in order. So that God's agency can be in a perfect shape for what God is bringing. Hallelujah. Imagine, it's like me saying to Olimide, Olimide, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to eat pounded yam. You know, that is the agreement, right? So what will Olimide do? Olimide will go to his house and prepare or maybe buy pounded yam. One of the two. But let me, maybe I told him that I want to eat the one that you, you pound by. I don't want the one that machine pounded. You know, some people come to him and say, I want the one inside the, the real mother. I said, the one by machine is not... It's not so assuming I said that, and the Holy Spirit gets, what does he need? He needs a pounder, you know, he needs yam, he needs all the time. He begins to talk about, he's putting everything in order so that my visit can be what? Can be exciting. Am I making sense? So that was what was happening in Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit was inspiring the apostles to set their house in order for the Holy Ghost to, you know, to come. And I made an important point last week. You know that every church must adopt this template. The fact that we are coming here every Sunday is not enough. That is not the end in itself. The real purpose, you know, the purpose of us coming together is that each of us will be tutored and trained and then mobilized for the purpose of the kingdom. So it's not enough that you are here every Sunday and that you come, you know, some of you somebody will have to call you and encourage you uh, brother so, so we've missed you you've not been around you know come you know that is fantastic but all that process are preliminary processes to bring us to a point where our eyes are enlightened and we see ourselves as a principal part of the house of god of the agency of god's purpose and then we cannot become self-motivated Nobody was encouraging people in those days. Am I, am I making sense? In Acts chapter 1, everybody caught the vision. All of them, even the women. Everybody we were there praying and waiting for the promise of the Father. Everybody with 
one accord. Hallelujah. With one accord. And that is the foundation by which we will all grow and be what established in God's kingdom. And I made an important point. I said, for a long time, church has placed emphasis on physical and um, what's the word now? What we do for church coordination. You know, for you to come here this morning now and sit peacefully here, some people have been here earlier or they came last night to arrange the chairs. You know, some people are in off ushering, some people are choir. You know, a man of God is playing the keyboard. All that is to set the atmosphere. We are all in our various, you know, um, positions of service. And people think that is all. You know, people, in fact, most of the time when we look at people, I want to say, okay, we want to choose Dickie now. Say, who, is, who has been the best, has been coming early, or has been faithful, and all those things. Those things are good, but they don't necessarily mean you are a principal part in the house of God. What I said last week that is necessary is that when we grow spiritually, say, when we grow spiritually, when we grow spiritually, we become mobilized. That is how we become a principal part in the house of God. Hallelujah. It is when we give attention to spiritual growth, when we give attention to spiritual development, then the grace and the gift of God in our lives will begin to open up. The capacity of the spirit will begin to come. It's like you're pouring water on a plant. The more you water it, the more you give nutrients to that plant, the more it does what? The more it begins to blossom. Now, we can all have temporary assignments within the house of God. Even unbelievers have those ones. Am I making sense? People, sometimes people who are not born again come to church and they are chief usher. <laughs> Amen. It's not supposed to be, but we see it a lot. Am I making sense? Or people who are even born again, but they, they don't care about <clears throat> their lives being in order. They can even be deacons. There are churches that if you want to be a deacon today, just donate one million to the church. The next Sunday, they will announce that you are a deacon. Amen. So, but that, those are not true service. True service comes when there is a sense of personal responsibility that is as a result of spiritual growth. Am I making sense? It's as a result of what? Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. The more your child grows, the more responsible they ought to become. Amen. The more responsible they what? They ought to become. And the more, you know, the, the more different the kind of conversations that you can have with them. What you, the conversation you can have with your five-year-old, for example, is different from the conversation you, you are going to have with your 15-year-old. You know, yesterday night, my, my son came to my room and said, Daddy, um, can we just... <laughs> my my six-year-old, he said, can we just... If my son gist with you, you, know, you can't go. He has to finish the gist. And sometimes the gist may not end in one hour. Amen. So I said, oh, oh, yes, we can gist. So he went and brought his food. I sat down on the bed. And then we started gisting. You know, and then I forgot what I said. You know, there was something I said that well, I was not like this boy. You know, whatever is going on in your head, why are you behaving like you're an old man? That was what I told us. Why are you behaving like you're an old man? You know, 
So, the conversations that I'm going to have with him is completely different from what I'm going to have with an adult. Am I making sense? What? Why? Because the adult has grown. And it is expected of an adult that because of growth, because of maturity, because of discipline and responsibility, some more matured conversation and relationship is established. Am I making sense? That is the way it is in the church. The more you grow spiritually, the more you are positioned. You are, it's like a military deployment. If you have gone through your routines and you have excelled in your training, then you become deployed. And in that place where you are deployed, the other teams are going to depend on your grace and your skill. Am I making sense? If you're a sniper, you have to be faithful in your deployment. Otherwise, your team will suffer casualty. Amen. If you are the one who is inside the tank and you're supposed to fire the tank, or you are the one who is supposed to fly the aircraft and first of all go ahead and destabilize your enemy and drop bombs and all that. If you are frivolous, who is going to suffer the loss? Your team or your army. There are too many undeployed soldiers in God's body. Undeployed, unmobilized. They are just there. Why? Because they have not taken training seriously. Am I making sense? They are just there. Unfruitful, useless, unprofitable. Why? They have not taken training. In fact, the understanding of training is even missing in the first place. No process, no training, no tutorship, no growth, no development. We have so many untrained soldiers. So many. So many. So the church can't advance. How many of us have seen this video of Nigerian, this is Nigerian police? That was supposed to do match past, and then he said, and then say, you know, left turn, and then three turned right, the other seven turned left, and then they marched. That's the way the church of God has been, unfortunately. Untrained people. We have untrained pastors. We have untrained, you know, people. We, people are not just people have refused to be mobilized. Hallelujah. So. What God is saying to us and has been saying to us since last week is that there has to be a change of perspective. We talked about um, Stephen, who was, we talked about two people last week, Matthias and who? And Stephen. And we said, when the time for Matthias to be chosen came, the, re the, the requirement they gave was someone who has been with the apostles who had been working also with Jesus since the time of the baptism of John. But not once did, God, did the scriptures mention Matthias in the Gospels. It was completely unknown. But he was there. He was faithful to his training. He was faithful to his course. He was faithful to his own assignment, to his own devotion. He was experiencing spiritual growth, spiritual development. He was imbibing the doctrine. He was being trained, being tutored. Even though his name was never mentioned. We never know any role he played. But when the time of destiny came, God said, I found someone who had been faithful. And he was deployed. He was deployed. Same thing with Stephen and Philip and the other deacons. 
they were not faithful because they were expecting something to happen am i making sense in fact i told us last week that when you look at stephen's credential the assignment they gave him felt like a demotion them a man full of faith full of the holy ghost to not be carrying table carrying plate tray hallelujah it felt like a demotion but it was processed it was purpose it was assignment because destiny beckons and he did that faithfully and then before you know it the gift and grace of god began to open up god found him faithful and worthy to be sent to samaria a whole city i mean sorry that was philip to be sent to samaria a whole city and he went to that city and preached and the whole city was saved amen we all need to be trained and to be deployed in our god-given assignment every one of us have gifts and grace locking locked up on the inside and God wants us to find it to flame. So today's message is like continuation of last week's message. Say, find it to flame. The gift of God in you. Say, I will find to flame. The gift of God in me. Give me Second Timothy chapter 1. Every one of us is endowed with manifold grace. Manifold expression of the spirit. You see, the Christian life is not a boring one. It is not. It is not. What has happened is that we have not been aware of the arsenal of grace, of gifts, of equipments that God has given to us. So we're just there, bare, bare. You know, it's like you have a full regalia of uniform they are supposed to put on, and you are just there with singlet and boxers, stripped bare. Hallelujah. Verse five. Or oh, let's start from verse three from verse 3. Say, I thank God to myself with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 4. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the word, somebody say genuine faith. Somebody say genuine faith. That is where in you, which first did what? Dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and i am persuaded it's in what it's in you also now why did why did why did pause why was paul saying this one of the reasons why he was probably saying this is because maybe to an extent this grace is not yet manifest in timothy's life but paul could sit with the eyes of the spirit am i making sense that was saying that was why he was saying he said i am persuaded it's in you. It may not be manifest yet. Maybe he hasn't grown to the point where he has been tested to show that trait yet. But he saw, Paul saw a lineage of equipping in Timothy's family. He could trace a spiritual grace from his grandmother and then he saw that same thing in his mother and then he's persuaded that it's so timothy's family must have been a family where they take equipping and training very seriously they must have had devotion to the word and the spirit hallelujah hallelujah they must have taken tutorship and training very very well very seriously 
Amen. Say, I'm persuaded it's in you also. Verse 6. Say, therefore, I remind you to do what? To stir up. It means that it's there, but it is latent. It is there, but it is hidden. See, I remind you. I bring to your remembrance. That's what I'm doing this morning. I bring to your remembrance that you do what? Should stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Through the laying of my hands. Verse 7. Say, for God has not given us a spirit of what? A spirit of what? Some people still cannot say it out of fear. A spirit of what? Fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear. But what has it given us? Of what? Power. Say, I have power. Say, I have power. And I have love. And I have sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Because from these two verses, the principal agent that resists the manifestation of the grace and the gift of God in our lives is the spirit of what? The spirit of what? It's very clear from that scripture. Say, I put you, I remind you to stir up the gift of God is in you. For God has not given us spirit of fear. So fear most of the time is the principal agent of darkness that shuts down the manifestation of the grace and the gift of God. And we're going to see today different dimensions and manifestation of that fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let me just lay some foundation. Um, you know, in place very, very importantly. And I, I said here, I said the kingdom is the kingdom is so crucial to spiritual growth and development. The kingdom is all about spiritual growth and development. That is the most important thing about the kingdom. It's a kingdom of growth. It is not a kingdom where you are just a member by mouth or just you have to grow. If you are not growing, you are backsliding. If you are not growing, you are drifting. Am I making sense? There is no middle ground. Scripture says, Hebrews 2, it said, Therefore, we must give earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest they do what? Lest we drift away. So we can drift. If you are at inertia, you are drifting. If there is no engaging of God's grace, you are drifting. If there is no specific purpose propelling you, you are drifting off. You're drifting off. There has to be a deliberate, engaged grace in your life. If not, you're drifting. So therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest, who is going to drift away? Who is drifting away? We. So the more light and knowledge of God comes, the more you are established, the more growth, the more your root goes what? Downwards. Hallelujah. Bible says that the wise man is the one who builds his house on the what? On the rock. When the flood beats against the house, he stands. Why? Because it's founded. There is establishment. But the one who doesn't follow the word is like the one who builds house on the sand. When the flood comes, the house is completely gone. Blown away. Why? Because it's founded on the, on the soil. So when we are not growing, when we are not being established, we are drifting away. The kingdom is all about growth and spiritual development. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scripture says in First Timothy, First uh, Peter, verse, verse one, it said verse two, um, chapter one, verse two. He said, "As newborn babes, we should do what? Desire the what? The sincere milk of the word, so that we can what? So that we can what? 
so that he can have something to fight against the enemy. So that he can have scripture, a scripture that you will recite before you sleep. The purpose of the scripture is to grow. Growth that you may grow thereby. Hallelujah. Hebrews 5 says that I want to say some things to you. Even if Hebrews 5 is one of the one of the passages that anytime I read, read it, you know, I feel heartbroken. Because in a sense, it's as though God wanted to release a revelation, a light to the body. But the specific people he was speaking to at that time didn't have the capacity to receive it at that time. Now, because I have understanding of the counsel of God. I know that through other scriptures, that light would have been shared. Am I making sense? But Paul was saying concerning Jesus then, he said, of whom we have so much to say, but we cannot utter it now because you have become dull of hearing. There is a manifestation that you ought to receive. There is a grace that you ought to partake of. There is a light that ought to, you know, that ought to be revealed to you. But you don't have capacity to take it. Why? Because growth has not happened. See, of whom we have so much to say and hard to explain. What the, the reason why it is hard to explain is not because the revelation is high and complex. Am I making sense? The reason why it's hard to explain is because the people to whom he wanted to preach it to did not have capacity to understand it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. No matter how brilliant your two-year-old is, there are some things that he's above his level because he has not matured yet. So it'd be a waste of time explaining those things to your two-year-old. Amen. So this church was deprived. This church, at that time, they did not, they could not receive the ministration of the Spirit because they had not built capacity for it yet and sadly these are some of the things that happened to us too as christians i remember the other day god spoke to my wife when we were saying that a lot of times when we say we, god i'm waiting on you god I'm, god I'm waiting on you ah, god is taking time you have said about this thing i'm waiting for you god knows the other way around god is the one waiting for you god is the one doing what waiting for you to grow waiting for you to grow he's the one he told the israelite this journey is going to take you 11 days before you get to the promised land because of their own waywardness it took them 40 years so all that 40 years god was the one waiting for them am i making sense this morning am i making sense so the kingdom is about growth and spiritual development it is it's about growth and spiritual development the purpose of the fivefold is to make the body grow. That's the primary purpose of the fivefold. The primary purpose of the fivefold, you know, apostles, prophets, um, pastors, evangelists, teachers, it is to grow, it is to equip the body, to train and to taught the body. That's my primary job. It's not to lay hands on you and say receive breakthrough, receive. That will, that's just by the way. You may say that's the byproduct. The primary purpose is to deliver the word of God to you so that you can grow. The primary purpose of the prophet is to train you to grow. It's not to give you whatever they say. Hey, Rasak, 
a fist is your second name. Say, ah, man of God, man of God, man of God. You wore green clothes yesterday. Say, ah, man of God, prophesy. Say, yesterday, before you slept, you ate two bowls of eba. I say, my God, that's not a prophet. That's not a prophet. The prophet trains you concerning the will of God. He brings equipping concerning discernment. How to hear the voice of God. What is the doctrine of God? That's a prophet. What's the word of the Lord? What is the emphasis of the spirit? What is God saying to us? That's what a prophet, prophet, we have bastardized the word prophet. To, so now we have a kind of charlatans. Say, Panma, Pan, prophet, prophesy. Will you shut up? Which professor are you prophesying? You are meant to train God's people. Let them be equipped. Let them be built up. That's the purpose of the fivefold. If you, if there is any ministry gift that is over a church and the people are not growing, that fivefold person is a failure. And God is going to judge such people. He's going to judge them. Hallelujah! It's to train, to build, to equip, to give them meat in due season, or in this case, milk. Because if you look at this verse, verse twelve to fourteen. Scripture says that for when you ought to be teachers, you have need of you again to be what? To be taught the principles, basic principles of Christ. He said you have had need of milk, not of solid food. So, because they were in a state where they could not receive what God was bringing, God had to introduce milk to them so that they can grow. And this is how some people have bastardize the revelation that when you are drinking drinking milk it means that you are a babe when you are when you go no milk is what we grow you am i making sense milk is what milk is what what we grow you milk is not bad say milk is not bad it's not bad so if there is if I, and if there's any issue in your life that you have not measured up what God will bring to you is milk. No matter your age. <laughs> milk is what will grow you. When you have now grown, then they now introduce meat to you. He said those who have their senses what? So when they are feeding you milk, they are exercising your senses. They are growing your senses. Your ability to hear. Your ability to see. Your ability to perceive. Your spiritual senses. Those things are growing by the milk of the world. They can't give you meat if those things are not grown. Amen. I see people today, people just gone again, born again yesterday. You are talking today about one high thing. You know, one cherubic order of the divine God. The guy doesn't know anything. Say there is difference between love and charity. No problem. No, let him face grow first. And, and I'm not saying this with any sense of mockery. Let people grow first. Give them what they need to grow. And then whatever light God is bringing, they will be able to receive it. But give them what they cannot contain. They are going to blow. That's why you have so many, too many people. They are high in, in revelation. But they are completely, their life is completely ask them that you look at the pattern of their life they are not being led they don't even know how to be led by the spirit what they are packaging as revelation is stupidity 
Amen. Hallelujah. Master Molly saying to you, say that I, I went to a sister and I proposed to her in tongues. And he's thinking that it's, that's revelation. Shouldn't you gain that person? Some of these we package as revelation and hiding. They are just stupid stuff. They are just stupid. They are just youthful exuberance. Children toast to and fro by every word, every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. 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 So the kingdom is about growth and spiritual development. Amen. Now as we grow, somebody say as we grow, we take our place in his kingdom. We become useful to God as we grow. Growth is what makes us useful to God. Growth, growth is what makes us a principal path of the kingdom. A principal path of the kingdom. Growth is what makes us, makes us productive in the kingdom. Hallelujah. And the productive power it what raises. Imagine you know, we're talking about Nigeria, you know that. Look at the number of youths that are in that productive age, but is not reflecting in our economy. Why? Because there is no work. So that's why it's a disaster. When you have people in church who ought to have come to their productive age, but they are not because they have not been trained and mobilized. What do you have? You have loss. What do you have? A living below the potential. And that's what has been happening to us in church. We are living greatly below our potential. Why? Because we ought to have come to a productive age, but we have not given attention to training, to spiritual growth. Am I making sense this morning? I hope I'm not boring you. Am I boring you? Amen. Amen. As we grow, we take our place in the kingdom. In the first Corinthians, we were saying that he said, Brethren, concerning spiritual, the word gift was added in the King James Version to give it a context. But in the original context, the word gift wasn't there. He said, Brethren, concerning spiritual, I do not want you to be what? To be ignorant. And then he began to speak to them. Give me verse 2 very quickly. Verse 2 Therefore, I make known to you, you know that you were Gentiles carried away. To this dumb battles, however, you were led. Verse 3 said, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a cause, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 said, There are diversities of gifts, but the what? The same Spirit. Verse 5 There are differences of ministries, but the what? The same Lord. Verse 6 There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works, who works all and what? In all. Now, as we grow, the avenue of this work begin to manifest. Are you hearing me this morning? As we give attention to spiritual growth and development, we begin to see the avenues through which God begins to do his work in our lives. Those things begin to open up. But the manifestation of the Spirit, this is where I'm going, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the what? Profit of what? What does profit mean? To the body what does profit mean to the church is it numbers is it numbers is it spiritual growth and edification yes 
profit means spiritual growth and what? And ed- because Ephesians 4 gives it context. He said the body grows when all the joint does what? Supply. Supply. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see whether we can read. Um, I think we're done with that. Give me verse 13 and 14 very quickly. Verse 13 and 14. Verse 13. This same, that first Corinthians 12. Yeah, for by one spirit we were all baptized into what? Into what? Whether we are Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to do what? To drink into what? This, this, what does, what's this saying? If you come into the kingdom, all of you go through the same training program. Are you hearing me? All of you go through what? The same training program. You no, know, you hear some churches say, in this our church, we are meant to grow financial, financial champions. So every Sunday, what they dish out is how to make money, how to have value, how to position yourself, how to do crypto, how to... No, no you see, no. <laughs> that is not what church is. That's not what church is. Now, you can decide to have a special event. You know, maybe love feast or maybe business something, something one, once in a while and then you focus on that and then you bring an expert but that is not that is not what we have all drank into we have all drank into one spirit into one program into one agenda into one purpose hallelujah hallelujah whether you are greek or jew whether you are broke or you are a rich man whether you're a billionaire or your house help you have been made to drink into one spirit, one purpose, one agenda. Ephesians 4, there is one Lord and Father of, of, of all. One, there is one God and Father of all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Hallelujah. Verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is above all, true and you. It's one. Our baptism is one. It's one. That you don't have different baptisms. One purpose, one goal. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is all, that is everything we are all running towards. It doesn't matter whether you are in America or you are in Adwekiti or wherever you are. You'll be made to drink into one spirit. And that gospel is the same gospel anywhere in the world. Because if Jesus died for the sin of the world, the whole world. So if you are saying that Jesus died so that you can be rich, how come all the Christians are not the richest people in the world? Then the rich people don't need God. Bill Gates and Dan Gothel and hallelujah. The gospel is for everyone. Our training is one. is to strip us of that evil nature, that carnal nature, that dubious supplanting nature and replace it with the nature of Christ. No matter our estates, what is important to God is your spiritual good. First of all, God will bless you. God will increase you. God will, you know, you have a great career. You marry a good husband or good wife, but those things are secondary. The primary thing is that there is something inside you that God must detune and so that he can enthrone himself and his will. Am I making sense? And that's what we do in church. Amen. Praise God. Can we move forward now? 
Can we move forward now? Hallelujah. Give me Ephesians 4. Are we there? Oh, we're in Ephesians 4. Give me verse 13. Verse 13, very quickly. He said, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So he was talking about the fivefold here. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the what? Of the food. When at any time you want to understand what is ahead of you in your journey, come and read this thing. Come and read it. You have to grow in faith. You have to go in the knowledge of the Son of God. You have to attain to a perfect man. You have to attain to the measure of the stature of the word. Of the f- Anytime you need to recalibrate your mind about what this journey is, this is it here. This is the purpose of Christianity. Hallelujah. Verse 14. That we should no longer be what? Children. What happens to children? Children are what? Tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine. That's a child. They are easily tossed to and fro. Easily. Easily destabilized. Easily distracted. Easily disoriented. That's children. Any small thing, all the arrangements of their heart are scattered. Any small upset, they are frustrated. No internal strength. No value. No staying power. That's a child. And God does not want us to remain. Because when you remain as a child, you are still a prey. A child is still a prey. Take your child now. Take your child to the park. The same child you have been, you know, tell the child, sit down here. Don't look. Don't collect anything from anybody. You know, they did that experiment in, I think it was in the U.S. Where this organization, they will go to the park. They would have told, they would go, first of all go to the mother. Say, do you think this your child can be kidnapped? The mother said, no. Say, what have you done to the child to make sure he doesn't get kidnapped? He said, hey, I've, told, I've told him and her not to call anything from stranger or not to talk to stranger or not believe. So they, I okay, okay. Can we try? He said, let's try and see whether we can entice the child. He said, oh yeah, go ahead. So the mother sits somewhere and then they, they go to the child in the park. You know what they used to kidnap in court some children? dog. The guy just carried all this white four puppy. Just carried. The guy just carried and sat beside the little boy and was stroking the dog. And you know, the children are always very smitten. Children want black animals. Look at the man. So you like the dog? So yeah. So yeah, you can stroke him. So the child started you know, stroking the dog. Doctors are doing like this and all those big ears and all those things. And I said, well, there's another one on the other side. Do you want to follow me and see? So well, yeah, I want to. The mother was shocked. <laughs> I said, the phone. That's a child. That's a child. They did not come with the conventional, oh, yeah, take sweet. Because they know the child would say, ah, my mommy said I should not take sweet. The devil will not come like that. Some of you, the, the training you have, you are waiting for a devil that will come and say, oh, yeah, take sweet. No. The devil doesn't come like that anymore. The devil did not even come like that to Eve. Hallelujah. He will come with something you like. Something that connects. Say, oh, no, it looks very normal. Okay, first of all, stroke the dog. You stroke the dog. Or they brought, some, they brought something. So, you know, they display. Say, hey, do you like to do this? Oh, I like this. Okay. The other side, there is a clown there. He can sh- give you a good show. Enticement as a child. Once that thing comes, once that thing they like shows up, they forget instruction. They forget purpose. They forget why they are there. 
if that is happening in your life, unfortunately, you are still a child. If your status changes and then purpose becomes, purpose is now hitting the rocks, you are still a child. When you travel to America now, because you are not in America, you don't pray before you enter your car. You don't pray against kidnapper. You don't pray for Nepal. God, I want to start tonight, Lord. Let Nepal bring that. All those things suddenly doesn't happen again. Then you now lack prayer point. Your prayer life started suffering. You are a child. You've been distracted. Or you just got a new job. Suddenly now, before, when you used to wake up, you would have woken up at four because you, have, you are living in a bully or you have to go to the island. So on the inside the bus, you put earphone in your ears. You are shandadadadada all the way to island. So now you have your own car. And you don't have to wake up 4 a.m. anymore. Now you now sleep till 6. And for the past 6 months, you've been waking up and just be enjoying cool ease in your car. And then suddenly, all that training is out of the door. You're a child. Comfort has come. Distraction and an abandonment of discipline has set in. You're a child. Tossed to and fro and carried about by every word, every wind of doctrine. Training brings establishment. Training brings what? Establishment. But when training is absent, there is no establishment. Hallelujah. Is that point very clear? Is that point very clear? God wants us to not be children. It's, there's nothing wrong with being a children, but don't overgrow, don't overstay as a child. Amen. Don't do it. And do you know what? God is also faithful. When you are a child, he puts the necessary safeguards around you as a good father. So we are not saying let's accelerate your child life faster than it ought to be. God will not do that. Amen. While you are a child and in your proper course, God will be faithful to you and put safeguards around you. But when you ought to wake up and be an adult, God will begin to remove the safeguards more small. Amen. There was a time that, ah, before you wake up like this, even from inside your door, you're already tonguing. By the time you wake up like this, you, your head, you are swelled. Goosebumps all over you. Nobody encouraged you. Shanda, you burst forth. One hour, you're just tonguing. Nowadays, as you wake up like this, everywhere just dry. Like wilderness. You look to your left, you do not sense Holy Ghost. You look to your eyes like Jesus is not there. No sign. All the things you used to see. Even you listen to or, 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 uh, Victoria or Renzi, the thing that used to shock you, everything just dry. God is watching whether you will still pray. Whether it's, you need to be tickled to pray or whether you have seen prayer as a purpose because you don't go to work whether you like it or not whether how many of us go to work only when you like it so today i just feel like walking oh i feel goosebumps let's get to work and then you call your boss boss i'm coming to work today in fact i feel like working and then tomorrow you wake up and say boss if i everywhere dry i don't think i'm going to make it today I want to take some time to sleep. How many of us do that? So we shouldn't do that to prayer. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Amen. So let's go back to first. Let's go back to First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter one, and let's talk about the three principal things that 
stand in the way of us finding to flame the gift of God in our heart, in our lives. Amen. So verse 6 says, give us verse 6 again. So therefore I remind you, somebody say I remind you. Because it's possible to forget. Now what makes us to forget? Say issues of this life. Say issues of this life. And it's peculiar to all of us. All of us. You know there's a way life can hit you. Bas, 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 bas. You are disoriented. Have you seen people? Have you watched, maybe, have you watched them? How many of you have watched Tom and Jerry? When Tom will hit Jerry. And then you see, it begins to see star. And then he forgets, for a moment, he forgets who he is. Sometimes life can do that to us. And then suddenly you forget who you are. Something can happen then. Suddenly you lose God. There is no assurance in your heart. There is no conviction in your heart of the love of God, that God is with you. Sometimes we are in, a, in, in certain, you know, unfavorable situation for a while and they will begin to lose confidence in the love of the father and the commitment of God we begin to doubt whether God is still faithful no he is you are just in a moment of trial stir up put in remembrance stir up the gift of God stir up your conviction stir up your confidence in God God has not forsaken you hallelujah say for God has not given us the spirit of what of fear verse 7, but of power and of what? Love and of a sound mind. This scripture shows that in this context, in this context, the opposite of fear is what? Power, love, and sound mind. Because it says, God has not given us the what? The spirit of fear. So what has he given us? As opposed to fear. Did you get that? It's straightforward, right? Say, God, I have not given us the spirit of fear. But what did he give us as opposed to fear? Power, love, and what? And sound mind. So we can say, you know, quadratic equations that you can deduce. Say, dy ds, if dy equals this, and dx equals this, then dy equals this. Right? So we can say that if there is no manifestation of power, what is causing it? Fear. If there is no manifestation of love, what's causing it? Fear. And if there is no sound mind, what is causing it to? Fear. Then we can also flip it around and say, if there is power, fear is out of the door. If there is love, fear is out of the door. And if there is sound mind, fear is what? It's out of the door. So these three are opposite of that one. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? That means if fear resists the manifestation of the grace of God in our lives, the gift of God in our lives, because another word for gift in that, in that verse is actually grace. If fear inhibits the manifestation of the gift of God in our lives, power, love, and sound mind does what? amplifies it so the more we are established in the understanding now he said he has given us it's not that he is going to give us do you understand he has what but it needs to be stirred up it needs to be what 
it needs we need to give attention to it to stir it up so what fear really does is that fear stays at the door and suppresses that stirring up that's why you know this looks like a question where are you seeing fear but god did not give you fear now if i want to say it in pigeon now say this thing but god not give you spirit of fear what did he give you now what power love and sound mind so fear crept in somewhere because god didn't give us spirit of fear we got that from somewhere from a human nature am i making sense unregenerated mind a carnal inclinations that's where fear comes from and fear manifests differently in order to do what to shut down the gift of god so let's see three manifestations so if the opposite of fear has three manifestations it means that for each of these three components fear has a specific manifestation am i making sense how does fear manifest to shut down power how does fear manifest to shut down love and how does fear manifest to shut down sound mind am i making sense am i making sense we are still we are still we are still deriving new things you know when you say how many of us did um, further mass you know you can keep deriving new solutions and new values from a major equation lad is smiling at me i want, I want my mouth further mass near amen so we are just we are just in this same statement to derive a lot of positions. Am I making sense? We have not really gone deep. Hallelujah. So how does fear hinder power? What is power actually? And why is fear standing at the door against the manifestation of the power of God in our lives? The word power here is the word dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. It is the same word used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, You will receive what? power when the holy ghost is what come upon you you shall be what witnesses how many of us have received the holy ghost that shows so that comes to my point if you have received power then why is there still fear suppression somebody says suppression because this verse says that he has given us suppression is what is causing that power of god not to manifest suppression here i said power means what dynamis it means inherent explosive power is from the word dynamite how many of us know what dynamite you know when you look at dynamite you can even use it to do uh, what's this thing that people throw that before one lands you've cash you've caught it you throw another one this toggle i think it's called toggle right you know you can use what's what's you know you can use dynamite to do toggle you can just hold it in your hands just make sure you don't detonate it amen just when you don't what that's the way the power of god is inside a lot of us they're full of power it can take off take off six blocks blow completely blow off six blocks but it's undetonated it's not detonated so it's just there in our hands and then we're being oppressed we're scattered all over the place we can't use our power we can't use our strength we can't use the might of god inside of us because we have refused to detonate so the grace is not manifest how do you detonate somebody say prayer somebody say prayer scripture says building up yourself on your what most holy faith doing what pray in the holy ghost 
when you give attention to prayer, you are detonating. You are emitting power. You are an emitting substance. You know, if you see a substance that is constantly emitting power, you have to be careful around that substance. Am I making sense? For example, if you see a, a volcano's mountain that is constantly emitting lava, you can't go and play around that place. If you go and play around the whole line, <laughs> go and play, play, play around it, you, you'll be roasted. You become, you know, if an animal falls into a molten lava, it's gone. It's gone. And then you know, people, emot- people can build a house around, around volcanoes. I say, ah, this mountain it has not erupted though, for 50 years. Then you go and build your eight bedroom mansion. And then you arrange Bentley, eh, Rolls Royce, all kinds of things there. They are calling you Baba. Bye, bye. If I under your in your bedroom, you have 50 million dollars cash. You are in a proper Nigerian politician. But that house is situated beside a volcano. One day, one day. <laughs> well, you just hear boom. And bedtime lava begins to erupt. Everything will be what? Be level. God is waiting for some of you to erupt. And then take power from things that have been exercising power over you. The infirmities that have been exercising power over you. It's like that rich man that is building house beside what? It's because you have not been erupting. You have not been emitting, you have not given yourself a chance, the opportunity to showcase what you are made of. So your power and your grace is just lying down there latent. It's just a potential. You are just in a state of inertia. No energy is being generated or utilized. So the grace and the gift of God is there. Just there like that. Just there like that. Just there like that. There is power on the inside of you. But you have to stir it up. Say you have to stir it up. So you have to stir it up. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 4.20. He said the kingdom of God is not in words. But it's in what? Power. Say power past power. The Christian life is not boring. What we have is people who have not develop the discipline to find to flame the grace of God. People are not taking time in prayer anymore. No commitment to the word. No commitment to meditation. No commitment to prayer. You cannot be a, an effective Christian without ample devoted time of prayer. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Now what's the opposite now? Uh, Luke 10 said, I have built, I have given you power to trample upon serpent and upon scorpions and over all the what? Power of the enemy. Give me Luke 10. Very quickly. Say, no, Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19. Very quickly. Behold, I give unto you what? Authority. To do what? To trample on serpents. What is a serpent? Ah, this one will take me for time more. Let me quickly summarize it. You want to know the ministry of the serpent? Read Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Amen. Read what? Just read Genesis chapter 3. You will see the wisdom of the serpent. You see the wisdom. How the serpent used wisdom to outwit Eve. The enemy is using wisdom. Carnal wisdom. 
to outwit us in many ways. Why? Because we've been latent. We've been latent. Like I said, the devil doesn't come to you and say, yeah. If the devil say, yeah, drink this one, drink this one. You will, say, you will probably either run away or say, get out. Am I making sense? But when the devil comes in a subtle manner, when he comes in a form that he knows you have weakness for, some of you brothers, some people, they cannot see. If you want to give them poison, put it in the hands of a yellow fine girl. Anything, they will take it. Even if they wrote upon it, death like this, once it's in the hand of a yellow fine girl, it is over. Game over. Hallelujah. Some people, is money. It's money. People will sell their honor, their lifelong legacy. They will ever set it on fire because of money. Some people, is power, position. This election season now, you see people doing all sorts of things, gymnastics, all kinds of things for relevance, for power. Things that if my dad does it, I'll be crying, I'll disown him. But elderly people just misbehave all around. And they don't care. You are the one that has shame. They don't have shame. They have lost shame. Their eyes is on the goal. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So, but we must go back to stir up the authority and the grace that is in our lives. And then we'll be able to trample upon the serpent. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. What is it? He said, you will trample upon serpents and scorpions. Give me that verse in Psalm 91. That's what it says. Psalm, it was Psalm 91. I, interestingly, I remember it in Yoruba, but I don't know it's good. I don't remember it in English. Can somebody interpret it for me? <laughs> you know, I come to this read. Say, you shall tread upon the word, the lion and the word, the cobra. He said, the young lion and the serpent. You shall do what? Trump. Say, this is power in action. It's power in action. The intimidating and the deceitful manifestation of Satan. Because the lion manifestation is to intimidate you. Amen. How many of us remember your enemy, devil, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? The manifestation of the lion is to intimidate you. But the serpent is deceit. Some of you, you, you don't respond to intimidation. But deceit still works on you. But when you are grounded in the power of God, That loophole becomes short. Then grace flows. Am I making sense? Hallelujah. 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 So the opposite of power, what is it? It's weakness, emptiness, helplessness, incapacity, instability, which is fueled by ignorance, timidity, intimidation, and blindness. These are the things that make us lack power. Ignorance of the word. And how are we going to become, you know, have knowledge of the word of God if we don't devote time to it? How are we going to remove blindness of the heart if we don't turn to the word and the spirit and let God shine his light into our heart? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the second thing God has given us is the spirit of love. It's called agape. Somebody say agape. 
you know you have different manifestation of love you have the heroes you have the filio you have the stuge you have the other but agape is just the god kind of love should i describe it to you it's ultimate commitment of goodwill say ultimate commitment of goodwill it's a state where god is settled in his heart about who you are and his disposition towards you is goodwill that's why it is that goodwill that made him look at us as sinners. Say, why we were yet sinners? Is that that goodwill is so strong? It's stronger than whatever state and position that we are. And that goodwill will always propel the right action towards us. That's why he said that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Christ died for us. When love is in your heart, you also will partake of that same grace. That absolute, you are not going to be a reactive person. You are going to be a proactive person. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? When the love of God is established, the Bible says the love of Christ does what? Constraints. When the love of God is active in your life, there is a constraining, there is a reshaping, there is a recalibration that it brings. You don't reason anymore like a normal man. If God were a normal person, he wouldn't die for you while you were a sinner because you are worthless. Am I making sense? Let's assume God is a capitalist. <laughs> he would just throw you away as a worthless because Bible says the, the actual rendering for what we were yet sinners is where we were yet worthless. We had no value. Christ died. That's what love does. And when that love of God is in our heart and is manifesting. One thing that will happen is that it will cast out fear. It will cast out what? First John 4, I think 17. It's a perfect love. Cast out what? Fear. For fear has torment. The reason you doubt yourself, the reason you second guess yourself, the reason you are not convinced in the will of God, the reason you are doubting what God has spoken to you, the reason you are doubting whether the word of God is true, you are looking at your situation and you are looking at the word of God and there seems to be, you are unconvinced, you know, your ground is shaky, your conviction is shaky, it's because fear has set in and it has beclouded your heart for you to trust in the perfect love of God. So you are looking at it and you are reasoning. You are thinking to yourself, maybe God really doesn't love me. Or maybe he loves, but I'm not worthy of his love. That is fear speaking. Fear will demoralize and incapacitate us when we allow it. You know, there is a confidence that comes from love. How many of us know that? When your child knows that you love him, the confidence is on another level. Hallelujah. When your child, imagine you are down and your child is up and you are telling your child to jump. The only reason why that child will jump is because he has confidence in you. Am I making sense? That confidence is coming from the love of God. If a stranger comes, a stranger will have to talk and talk and talk and talk before he can convince your child. Because your child doesn't know the stranger. Am I making sense? But if it is you, your child knows you. Your child is confident in your love. And then your child can jump 
the reason why God has been saying to some of you, God has been saying to you, John, for the past five years, you are still saying, God, are you sure? God, are you sure? Confidence is lacking. It is because fear is there. What has God told you to do? What has God, what, what is the step God has witnessed in your heart to take and you have not taken? You have to deal with fear. You have to deal with fear. Bible says, perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Once you are assured in the love of God and that love is perfect, fear will go out of the door. You can never be boxed to a corner. Hallelujah. Just write this down. Write First John 4, 16 to 18 down. Write First, first Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 down. These are the manifestation of love. Write Romans 5, 5 down. Write Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. Write um, Jude 1, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Hallelujah. I see here that the opposite of love is fear, is distrust. Should I read the passages again? Should I read again? 1 John 4, 16 to 18. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5. I said the love of God is shed upon in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. That you may know the love of God that passes knowledge. Jude 1, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said that the opposite of love is fear, distrust, doubt, lack of conviction. The opposite of love is what? Fear manifesting as distrust, doubt, lack of conviction, lack of consecration, torment, insecurity, lack of passion for purpose, coldness of heart. This is our manifestation of love. The scripture says that in the last days, because iniquity we are bound, the love of many will do what? We was cold. He works cold. Second Timothy 3. He said, Men will be lovers of pleasure more than what? Lovers of God. Love is missing. True love is missing. And then the final one we're talking about this morning is somebody's a sound mind. See, God has given us a spirit of what? And I particularly love this one because it means discipline, self control, good judgment, clarity of purpose enlightenment and discernment this is one area a lot of christians struggle there is no sound mind let me tell you one of the most basic most basic manifestation of sound mind sound mind tells you sound mind makes you know what god will do and what you should do Sound mind doesn't appropriate what you should do to God and what God should do to you. If you look at church today in Nigeria, you see that they say they say that's a serious lack of sound mind. Because there are some things we ought to do, we have appropriated it to be done by God. And we have made a mockery of our faith. Hallelujah. We've done what? You see people who, are, who have no order in their lives, Christians, and then they suddenly expect by a magic or a miracle there will be order in the nation. Even some unbelievers have order in their lives. They do the right thing. They don't cut corners. 
you see Christian court corners, corrupt people, pastors, deacons, tongue speaking, you know, corrupt people. And then we wonder why this country is like this. Some of us, we even sit down and blame government. Even if, if they put you there, you will do worse. <laughs> you do worse. Lack of sound mind. Lack of sound mind. Lack of sound mind. Hallelujah. Lack of discipline, self-control. Some of us, we don't have good judgment. Good judgment. When we cannot judge from divine perspective, where we cannot look at the eternal consequences of some of the things we do or don't do and use that perspective to take action. Lack of good judgment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We lack discernment. When discernment is lacking. When discernment is lacking. Psalm 119 verse 66. Very quickly. Psalm 119 verse 66. What does it say? I love this verse. He said, teach me what? Good judgment and knowledge. For I do what? I believe your commandments. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. That's why we pray here that Lord, we open the eyes of our understanding. It's probably one of our most great prayers. That Lord, we do what? Open the eyes of our understanding. And Lord will grant us spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of what. What are we praying for? Good judgment. We don't want to judge according to man. We don't want to judge according to the pattern of this world. We want to have divine perspective whenever we are making a judgment. Am I making sense? Moses came to a point of good judgment. Do you know what good judgment told him? Good judgment told him that associating with slaves is of higher treasure than being in Pharaoh's palace. That's good judgment. How many of us can do that? Let, let us test us. Just give you access to Asurok now. So don't worry. Oh, you just be doing this place. Just, just be changing figures. I say, ah, the gods even say we should have wisdom. I can just change it and use 50% and donate it to Pastor Dami. They just to buy bus. I used to build an auditorium. So wisdom is profitable to direct. It will direct you to hell. Good judgment. Bible says Moses esteemed the reproach of children of Israel of higher treasure than the what? Than the riches of powers. That's good judgment. That's good judgment. When Joseph was presented with the beautiful Potiphar's wife, it was good judgment that saved him. He said, "How can I do this thing and sin against?" Potiphar, no, against God. He had divine perspective. He had divine perspective. So that thing that people were shaking, he wasn't an issue for him. Why? Because his perspective was completely different. When they told Daniel not to pray, he said, for me not to pray, ah, hey, 70-year prophecy is hanging. What God has, the restoration of Israel is what? Is hanging. Divine destiny is hanging. Not just only for me, but for my nation Israel. The Bible says, as his custom was, he went to his house, opened his window facing towards Jerusalem and began to what? Began to pray. Good judgment. We, let's pray for good judgment. 
good judgment, discernment. Discernment. Isaiah 7, he said, Butter and honey shall the child eat, so that he may learn to refuse evil and choose good. If God can have mercy on us so that we can become equipped in the ability to choose good and refuse evil, a lot of things will be sorted out in our lives. You find literally pressure will die in your life. Pressure will do what? Pressure will do. Because that thing that is, is pressurizing you, God will just give you clarity that you see behind, what's behind it is death. <laughs> it was, I think it was my wife that said that when it was, I think it was, was it when you were serving or you were in school, when you liked a guy. Was, and God said, this, you could, you could need that. The soul that's in. You know, God just brought perspective that don't, 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 don't erase your destiny in God over this momentary ephemeral stuff. How many of us have been in a situation where we like something and then some, we grow? After we grow, we look back and say, Ah, yeah, Jamie, what was I? What was in that thing that I even like? We are now regretting. What we lacked then was divine perspective. The pressure of the moment was stronger than spiritual understanding or perhaps spiritual understanding was even completely upset but when we have spiritual understanding we will learn to choose good and refuse the word and the more we choose the more we choose the more our steps are aligned the more our steps are ordered the more the grace of God begins to manifest that was why especially concerning Jesus he said and the child grew Luke chapter 1 and the child what grew in what in wisdom and in what and in stature as he was growing in wisdom he was choosing good he was refusing evil he was choosing good he was refusing evil he could discern good he could discern evil and he could choose Hebrews gave us perspective he said thou art loved righteousness and what it was a function of growth in wisdom as he was growing Bible say, and he increased in stature as he was choosing good stature was increasing stature was coming light was coming grace was coming he was walking at the frequency of the heaven stature came at 12 he had grown so much in stature, he could interpret and find the purpose of God in the law. Bible said he was contending with scholars in the temple and they were marveling at the level of wisdom that he had. He had grown so much in stature. So much. By 12, he had been severed from the sentimental attachment to his parents. When Mary told him, we've been looking for you, son. He said, don't you know I'll be in my father's house. At 12, he had known that Joseph was just a surrogate father. He chosen wisdom. 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 And then the grace of God began to flow. Grace of God began to flow. Grace of God began to flow. Bible said after he left the temple, he was submitted to them. He was still humble. Am I, am I making sense? He was still humble. So he wasn't out of the place. He wasn't this guy with revelation that's completely out of, out of control. No. He was still submissive. He was still gentle. He still recognized his place in his family. He was doing his thing. He still learned carpentry under, under, under his father. 
but he was just growing he was just growing and when the time came for his manifestation to Israel God found that he has been faithful when it came to John's baptism he said this is the lamb by that time he had become the lamb of God he had grown onto that spotless huge divine being of stature Say, this is the lamp of God. A man. Say, this is the lamp of God that takes away the sins of the world. God, the time was ripe for God's offering to come on the altar. He had grown. He had become useful for the kingdom. This is where God wants to bring each and every one of us. So we must stir up power. We must stir up love. We must stir up sound mind. Somebody say, I will stir up power. I will stir up love. I will stir up sound mind. When the steering are fully stirred up, the gift of God will burst forth. The grace of God will burst forth. We become skillful in the kingdom. We become equipped, a principal soldier in the army of God. And then God can release resources. Because we have been built. Let's stand to our feet this morning and talk to God and say, Father, I pray to be equipped. I want to be equipped, Lord. I want to be equipped. I want to be equipped. Oh, I pray for grace to be equipped. Zenana here had a fleke so brakanabashaba. Equip me, Lord. Remove fear. Remove fear and every manifestation of fear. E marabalabashatalabalabash. Shaboro dalala bakatia sinamahasha. Isemanaha tilimahasa silibohoshatania. Imananana makata paria gadosha. Aragadagadagabato pradia kadolobosha. Can you just open your mouth this Sunday and just this Sunday morning and just pray? Can we just pray in the spirit? Let's just pray in the spirit a little bit. Ebatosia <laughs> 